Hello and welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with James Harkin, Anna Chizinski, and Andy Murray. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you, James. Okay, my fact this week is that bananas emit antimatter. <laughs> That's nuts. So I've had to get my head around antimatter, uh, which... Uh, I just researched bananas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should have gone down that road. Yeah. What am I doing? So uh, antimatter is just like the opposite of matter. So if you have an electron with a negative charge, then the antimatter version of that is a positron, which has a positive charge. I know. See, what's weird is I just... Uh, for me, I still don't understand what that means. So yeah. It means that when you say you had to get your head around it, if you'd actually had to put your head around antimatter, your head would no longer exist. Wait, antimatter. Antimatter. <laughs> <laughs> that was some kind of Freudian slip. The presence of Andy in a room eliminates everything else in it. But so wait, so because um, what I read was the beginning of the universe, big explosion, and what should have happened is the universe created enough matter, which is why we're here. Yeah. But it also should have created an equal amount of antimatter, yeah. which in theory should have wiped out the matter, and we yeah. shouldn't be here because at all. Because if you get to a, a matter particle and an antimatter particle, and they come together, they just explode into energy put my hand up i still don't fully understand it well basically. that's why you research bananas i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. so quick question about the bananas if banana emits antimatter but it is matter why doesn't it cancel itself out it doesn't matter it's a very good answer yeah it's a very good it's it's not a very satisfying answer though <laughs> uh, so what happens is bananas contain potassium yeah uh, and some of the potassium uh, decays because it's slightly radioactive i think we you might have already known that yes bananas, bananas are radioactive, radioactive. Uh, and what it does is it, when it decays, it emits a positron and turns into argon from potassium. And a positron is an antimatter particle. It yeah. is. And then the um, positron will then meet an electron and then will just turn into a little bit of energy. So there's and a tiny reaction happening in a banana. Uh, it will be on the outside of a banana, yeah. It's about really? every 75 minutes, I believe. Yeah. I, I read that with humans that we're trying to create antimatter. We've got a tiny amount, but if we created a lot... You, it would be the equivalent of a, like an atomic bomb explosion. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit much bigger. So much, if much we powerful. created a giant banana, <laughs> not only would it explode, but it would have the radioactive fallout as well. Well, there is someone on Wired um, who has worked this out, and they said to, to turn bananas into a power station um, by utilizing this fact that they create positrons. To get 200 watts, you would need a banana generator with 2.2 um, times 10 to the 20 bananas. Uh, and it would be a sphere full of bananas, uh, 200 kilometers in radius, uh, and that would create 200 watts. Do we? So we don't think big supermarkets should be on the lookout for someone ordering a suspicious number of bananas. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a there isn't a button for times 10 to the on the automatic checkouts, is there? Do you guys know when bananas reached the UK? Because they think it dates to the mid 15th century. Really? They found a banana peel in a Tudor rubbish tip. And <laughs> the first, you know, the first... Were they doing evidence... like a Charlie Chaplin-style comedy sketch? Who knows? We have no idea how it got there. And it's really freaked everyone out because previously archaeologists and historians thought that they got to England in the 19th century. Um, but there's a theory, this is just a theory, that they were really common in Tudor England. But obviously by the time they got here, they'd all be completely black and unrecognisable right. as bananas. Mm. And that therefore that's why we have no depictions of bananas. You just picture Henry VIII eating a banana. It's so weird. 
That's, that's kind of dirty, actually, that <laughs> image, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Did you? No. I read in the uh, the QI archives uh, a Victorian guy called Lord Egremont. Do you know this fact? No. no okay, so, so Lord Egremont, um, he spent £3,000 building a greenhouse where he kept a single banana tree because he wanted to grow his own bananas. And so he managed to grow them, and the day came where he was having his first taste of it, at which he exclaimed, Oh, God, it tastes just like every other damn banana. <laughs> <laughs> and had the tree immediately destroyed. <laughs> Have you heard the story of Auburn War and the bananas? <laughs> this like is so good. Me. So um, the, the banana imports were banned between 1940 and 1945. And um, soon after that, the first delivery arrived since the ban, which was 10 million bananas. And the new Labour government said, let's have a national banana day where every child should have a banana. Great. Auburn War was a writer. He was the son of Evelyn War. And as a child, he and his two sisters, they got three bananas. And they had heard all about bananas. They were so excited. And he wrote later on in his memoirs, they were put on my father's plate, and before the anguished eyes of his children, he poured on cream, which was almost unprocurable, and sugar, which was heavily rationed, and ate all three. <laughs> From that moment, I never treated anything he had to say on faith or morals very seriously. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? Um, have you heard of banana peelers? No, um, I don't think so. These are such interesting people. They were fraudsters in the late 19th century, and they made their living from... It was on railways, they were. They would take an old banana peel out of their pocket, put it on the ground, slip over on it, and sue the railway for compensation. One woman uh, called Banana Anna, she did that 17 times over the course of her career. She got wow. huge compensation for it. It's weird she called herself Banana Anna when she could just be called Banana. Banana. <laughs> you would have thought, wouldn't you? You've yeah. thought this already, Doesn't haven't Doesn't make you? any sense. <laughs> yeah. um, there was this, relatedly, to banana slipping. In 1941 in Texas, first of all in the newspaper article where I read this, there was a ship that was described as the first ocean-going cargo ship built since the World War. This is in 1941, so poor old America um, hadn't quite predicted what was happening around them, as in the other World War. Anyway, the newspaper reported that the first ocean-going cargo ship built since the World War was launched on a bed of half a ton of bananas, because it was cheaper than Greece, apparently. So the bed, it slid into the water on <laughs> half a ton so of bananas. <laughs> In 1923, the song Yes, We Have No Bananas was released. Mm -hmm. It was a massive hit. It sold 25,000 copies a day. Uh, but this was in sheet music uh, because they didn't have the recordings back then. Uh -huh. uh, and it was so popular, it spurred a new craze, Dancing the Charleston on Banana Peel-Covered Floors. Wow. No. That sounds great, doesn't it? Do you know who wrote that? Oh, it was Leon God. Trotsky's nephew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he followed a very different career path yeah. um, to true? his uncle. Yeah. Well, here's That's a great. here's a slightly weird link. Uh, the Bananas in Pajamas, the TV show. Yeah, Australian big TV show. We all it was big here, right? Karl Marx's grandson, I believe, <laughs> played the banana. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, uh, it started off as a song. It was called Bananas in Pajamas, and yeah. that's what the whole series was based on. The song was written by Carrie Blyton, who was the nephew of Enid Blyton. Really? Oh. So two yeah. nephews involved in, uh, in songs. There we go. That's about great. bananas. About bananas. So when, when I started researching this fact on bananas, I thought I hit a jackpot moment because I discovered on Twitter there was a, an account called at True Banana Facts. Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, really disappointing. Let me give you a few examples of the facts. Bananas are actually very bad and not good. Just kidding. Bananas are yellow and healthy. <laughs> 
420 retweets. They had me for right? a second there, actually. Yeah. yeah. Don't like what someone is saying? Pop a nice banana in their mouth and shut them up. 1,628 retweets. All right? What do you? What's your problem, Dan? These are true. They are facts, and they are about bananas. Bananas are not good at soccer because they don't really have legs. <laughs> really, they don't really have legs. They've sort of got legs. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned that bananas are yellow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think they're healthy and good for you, aren't they? Not entirely true. Um, oh. They are not yellow if you see in the UV spectrum. Um, <laughs> I don't think they'll hold up in court. <laughs> so, yeah, they've recently discovered this. Only recently discovered that if you shine a black light on a yellow banana, it glows blue, which other plants don't do, and they don't know why. But they think it might be to help things like fruit bats, which prey on bananas. Uh, they do see in the UV spectrum, and so that makes the bananas show up more. When do you say high. they prey on bananas? Bananas <laughs> <laughs> with those little legs, they can get away <laughs> Actually, they don't really have legs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I read a thing psychologically that if you're shown a black and white photo of a banana, you see yellow. Your brain just projects yellow onto it. Which spectrum are we talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Tinges of yellow, you kind of, your brain just naturally finds little tinges of it. That is really interesting. If you, so bananas are slightly radioactive. Yeah. I read that eating 600 bananas is the equivalent of having a single chest x-ray. I just like the idea of being presented with that option in hospital. How Mm. many bananas was it? 600. 600. Well, uh, we can x-ray the foot, of course, or (laughs) you could just eat these bananas. Just, um, I'm going to give you 600 bananas. Um, The nurse and I are going to stand behind the screen. (laughs) (laughs) That would kill you, wouldn't it? There's too much potassium or something. What's too much of eating food, (laughs) generally? Depends on the time span. I mean, you probably eat over a lifetime. But that's a long wait for your chest x <laughs> <laughs> um, There was a guy in a hospital. He'd stolen a necklace, and he um, ate the necklace, uh, and they wanted to get it back off him. And so to get it back, they needed him to pass stool. And in order to do that, they fed him bananas. But then it came in the news, and some doctor said this is stupid because bananas do not really work as laxatives. <laughs> and the only thing bananas will do is add bulk to his stool. <laughs> Maybe that was a way of protecting the necklace, though, or the yeah. man's uh, stomach. Like yeah. bubble wrapping the banana goods. Wrapping. I read that they fed him 60 bananas. Yeah. And um, the article just finished by saying, Meanwhile, the owner of the necklace has said she will not wear it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, time for fact number two, and that is Chazinski. My fact this week is that Slovenia's largest lake, Lake Sirknitsa, disappears every year. Where does it go? This is so it's a lake called Lake Kirknica, and when it exists, it has a surface area of 30 kilometers squared. So it's not volume, it's surface area that makes it the biggest lake in Slovenia. Okay. So there are two terms here polje, which is a field above a cast, and a cast is basically a landscape that's got loads of kind of soft rock in it, and it means that water's eroded the soft rock in various places and created holes in it like a Swiss cheese. And it basically means that the lake gets filled up in, in rainy season, and then it gets sucked through these swallow holes or these sinkholes when it gets dry and the water stops coming through and it vanishes so oh, wow. it'll be a lake one day and there's boats imagine on if it. you were camping in like the um in this nice big field <laughs> yeah and then you suddenly. just wake up and suddenly you're in the middle of a lake <laughs> yep it'd be like glastonbury how long does it disappear for so it generally has disappears between i think june and september yeah it's mm-hmm. amazing that this is the biggest lake in slovenia yeah 
it is a natural wonder. It disappears every every year, but we still haven't heard of it. Isn't I find yeah. that's truly bizarre. That's yeah. So you you just clear. went. You just got back from Slovenia. I've just come back from Slovenia. Did you go and visit this lake? I didn't. How bad is that? I was. Well, maybe you didn't. Well, you it didn't. wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, do you guys? Did you happen to hear about while you were there the religion, the fifth biggest religion uh, of Slovenia? Yeah, this I is love good this. Though. Come, they haven't heard this. Okay, so the fifth biggest religion in Slovenia is called the Trans Universal Zombie Church of Blissful Ringing, <laughs> and it's um, yeah, it's become the fifth biggest religion in less than a year. What do they do? Uh, they ring says, bells. Yeah, they yeah. ring bells. And eat brains. <laughs> they have a holy book which says, so uh, its rules written down, its holy book include the fact that its zombies resurrect daily, its holy drinks are beer and pina coladas, and... <laughs> holy pina coladas. Holy pina coladas, and it worships cows, and it recommends eating the super succulent Japanese Kobe beef. And also, I like this, their sermons, instead of ending with an amen, end with... Bong, <laughs> so I think it's cool. Wow. Yeah. But it's actually—I mean, it's actually really good. So it's an anti-corruption party, and it was set up as a serious opposition to rampant corruption in Slovenia. Wow. And it was called by the prime minister of Slovenia. I think it was referred to as a bunch of zombies, and so they embraced the zombie tag. That is very cool. Yeah, hmm. good guys. You were talking about holy pina colada. Here's another um, Slovenian drink: uh, salamander brandy. You tried that when you were no, in Slovenia? damn it. Well, I'm glad you didn't try it because it's not a very nice way of making it. Um, they take a salamander, hang it by its back legs and pour brandy over its body. And so it drips into a cup and then you drink it. Uh, and the idea is you infuse the alcohol with the poison that the salamander makes on its back. And the slight bit of poison and the brandy apparently gives you more of a kick than normal wow. brandy. Wow. <laughs> uh, I was looking up oldest things in Slovenia. Slovenia has the oldest wheel ever found. Oh, really? really? Oldest wheel. And it was found in, and I can't pronounce it, but Ljubljana. Ljubljana. Yep. I think Dan's was right, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Ljubljana <laughs> marshes. Also, they have, are you about to say this, they have the oldest vine. It's a grapevine. It still bears grapes. Um, it's over 400 years old. The Guinness World Records book went over there, put it in their book. Yeah. So they came oh. over and said, we'll put it in their and book. Do you know what it's called? Uh, no. It's called Old Vine. <laughs> so they also like the linden tree which is that tree that kind of smells of semen um and they've wait got, sorry we, you know, have we just spoken about this have i missed this no, no everyone knows about the linden tree it smells a, like semen there's a famous michelin web sketch anyway the linden tree smells of semen and <laughs> right. they're proud of their linden trees and there's a 780 year old linden tree in slovenia which is the oldest one and every year in the summer the government has a political meeting underneath it does it smell like very very old semen <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, oh. a long abandoned condom. Oh. <laughs> oh, Do they? The government gathers oh. around. <laughs> has anyone got anything else? Something Slovenia also has. Yeah. Um, the Hitler Beetle. Oh yeah. If you yeah. haven't. Uh, oh yes, yes. Yeah, and I think I'm not sure. We've, <laughs> I, don't I think was we've in my head. A... I thought you meant the Beatles, as in the band, and I was like, well, who's the Hitler Beetle? <laughs> oh yeah, the, <laughs> John Paul George Ringo Ringo and the Hitler Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> the Hitler Beetle. Uh, it's a cave beetle it's blind and it lives in five caves in slovenia it's very very rare and it was named in 1933 by someone who really liked hitler he was a guy called oscar scheibel and hitler wrote him a thank you letter and they're now critically endangered because hitler fans are still uh, in the market for them and they sell right. for a thousand pounds each well that's why i went to slovenia this year <laughs> <laughs> also just one more thing just on taxonomy i know this is a complete tangent but there was a fly in 1994, a fossil fly which was named I, just the letter I. Right. It was named that until a researcher said he didn't want to have to keep writing 
I have small male genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> it got changed. It got changed to I I I. Okay, time for fact number three, and that is Andy. My fact is that half the world's sigers have died in the last month, and nobody knows why. What is a saiga? They look like antelopes that are in Star Wars. They they look like a Doctor Seuss character. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're their face. It's their nose. Incredibly strange proboscis on the front of their face. And uh, they live in uh, Mongolia and Kazakhstan, I believe, and bits of China. And for some reason, we don't know why, but in the last month, half of all Saiga have died. Wow. I think the dying has stopped now. Um, you mentioned Mongolia and China. I actually think they're extinct there now. Oh, really? And I think they were driven to extinction by the fact that they were being used for medicine. So right. you could you could buy bits of them for quite a lot of money and is their horns isn't it yeah they put the uh their ground up horns that's what that's one of the reasons they're so endangered in the ni- early 90s i think there were millions of them and yeah they were hunted partly because conservationists were trying to conserve rhinos because rhino horn was being used as a traditional medicine and so sort of encouraged people to revert to yeah wow. saiga horns instead as traditional medicine and it's thought to be like an aphrodisiac and it's thought so for instance in singapore you can buy cooling water which is it looks like a normal bottle of water which says that this can reduce a fever or just really cool you off. And if you look at the ingredients, it's got saiga horn as Whoa. one of the ingredients. Yeah, it's terrible. Whoa, yeah. Yeah, isn't it? They are really delightful creatures. They have. Um, there's a website ultimateungulate.com <laughs> which has good stuff about them, and it also says only one word can describe the face of the saiga: bulging. They have. If you look at them straight on, it looks like their eyes are sticking out on little stalks. They have really, really odd faces. And they're tiny, aren't they? They're about two foot tall, I think. Yeah, they're not very big. Really small deer. But those noses that they have—they're pretty extraordinary. They can heat air in them. In the winter, they do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if it's too cold, they'll take air in and they'll just do a quick sort of (laughs) microwave on it (laughs) and then take it into their lungs. And (laughs) do they they sometimes suck in like a little Ginsters burger at the same time (laughs) quickly? <laughs> I was looking up other animals with mental noses, basically, <laughs> for this. I really like the hammerhead bat, which looks just <laughs> like a moose. It's just oh. quite a huge nose. And oh, its larynx okay. takes up half of its body. And the way they attract female mates is by a big honking ceremony so all the bats line up on hang off various trees and they all perform this honking ceremony through their gigantic larynxes <laughs> and then the female bats all fly past and listen and if they like the sound of someone's honking then they pop onto the branch next to him oh, yeah. that's so cool one more thing that saigas do with their trunks yeah they use them to lure females male saigas do they make sounds through yeah. their proboscis if they make lower sounds, they can make themselves seem larger than they are. Th- and that's more attractive. Yeah. And this is important for saigas because most matings occur mainly at nights when the real sizes of callers are not visible. <laughs> so all the female saigas are thinking that there's these really beefy yeah. kind of male saigas around. And then during the daytime, they're like, where have they all gone? <laughs> yeah. There's just this little weedy guy around. Is yeah. it like that thing where you wake up in the morning after a one-night stand and go, oh... You that said is you were, not what I was You expecting. said you were huge. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the most interesting taxonomy thing about antelopes generally. They are even-toed ungulates. So that group is called Artiodactyla. It's recently been discovered that these share a common ancestor with cetaceans, i.e. whales, and they're all part of the same group as cetaceans. And this is partly why we believe now that whales evolved from being on land to going back in the water, because there's this tiny two-kilogram mouse deer which really likes being in the water. 
And so we just... We wants to be a whale. Yeah, wants to be a whale. And that's kind of the link between whales now and millions of years ago when these little deer kind of evolved to creep back into the water and turn so into whales. So you have a little deer. You have a little deer. How big who is Who wants deer? to be a whale. Yeah. At night time, probably telling the ladies he is a whale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because we found ankle bones in certain cetaceans, haven't we? Yeah, and also yeah. they sometimes grow hips. Well, they have hip bones hips. and sometimes grow little legs yeah. on the yeah. side of whales. They don't really have legs. <laughs> Much like bananas. <laughs> I was reading this book. It was like a book of biology from 1800. And apparently to say a woman had eyes like an antelope was the highest praise you could possibly give her. Because yeah. they have the most beautiful yeah. eyes. You have eyes. Eyes like an antelope and nose like a saiga. <laughs> <laughs> Legs like a whale. <laughs> also on attractive women being compared to antelopes. Yep. Um, the yeah. word for an Arabic love poem is a gazel. And that is thought to can't be connected to the word gazelle because often women were compared to gazelles in Arabic love poetry. Um, so, for instance, there's one poem, I think, from the year about 650 AD where the caliph Abd al-Malik uh, frees a gazelle he's captured because he suddenly realises it looks like the woman he's in love with. So he captures this gazelle and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> On extinctions, uh, just one more thing. Um, the voluntary human extinction movement. Do you know about these guys? Ooh, no. um, so there is the V-H-E-M-T. Uh, they call themselves vehement. Uh, and their idea is that humans should die out because it would save all the other animals mm. on the planet. Uh, he doesn't think the people who are in charge don't think that everyone should just be killed. Uh, they think we should just not have children. That's the idea. Okay. Oh. Uh, uh, and they think that the need for children is cultural conditioning. And actually, people don't really want to have children. And they could take such desires and channel them into perhaps gardening or adopting a stream. Adopting a stream. Adopting a stream. That's one of their suggestions. You'd be really sad if you adopt a lake in Slovenia, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> Okay, time for our final fact of the show, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that Barbara Streisand had a shopping mall built for her sole use, and it's under her house. <laughs> it's got a cobblestone paved street, and then it's a collection of just old, last-century-style shops. Sounds um, like Diagon Alley. It kind of looks like it when you see it. I mean, it's got a sweet shop. It has, um, it has an antique doll shop. Are they all staffed? No. There, oh. There's no cash registers. What she does is she buys it rather than putting stuff in her actual house. She's just set up shops underneath her house oh, to okay. put the things that she's bought into. So they're like cupboards, really. Yeah, but they're. But <laughs> no. what you're but, saying is she's got a massive cupboard. <laughs> she's got a ginormous <laughs> cupboard. But she now like she's taken it so seriously that when she's on the sets of movies, like famously on Meet the Fockers, the movie that she was in, um, when they were dismantling the sets, she started collecting the doors and bringing right. them back. When to... you say collecting, do you mean stealing? <laughs> I think she asked. I don't think Barbara Streisand could steal. I think she just takes it and you go, well, I must now, have given that to that her. It's that kind of thought that gets people in trouble. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that, Seth Blatter was just collecting a lot of <laughs> money. <laughs> but yeah, so she has an antique shop. She has things like benches out the front for men to sit on. I'm, I think she sounds tiresome. I'm sorry, Dan. Yeah, hey, I'm not defending her. I'm just saying this is, this is what also, she's got. Also, she doesn't know what a shop is. <laughs> That's not a mall. You don't. You have. There has to be some kind of exchange of money for goods in a mall. Does, does she? Does she walk around it? Yeah, she walks around it. 
if she's going to a party and she needs to bring a present, she'll go down into her mall and she'll pick out an item. Does she do all the someone. voices? Does she, put, <laughs> does she run around behind the counter and say, oh, that'll be $86, Miss Streisand. Oh, well, that's very expensive, but I'm sure I'll... Um, well, it looks like it's worth the money. Thank you. Would you like it wrapped? Oh, yes, please. I'd love it wrapped. That's an excellent Barbara Streisand impression. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so my favourite thing about Barbara Streisand is that her real name is Barbara Streisand, originally, but she got rid of an A in the name Barbara, so it's now B-A-R-B-R-A. I think she said she did that because she wanted to be a bit special, but like changing her name fully was too showy. Yeah. And that seems to be a part of herself she's left behind, Do that desire she... not to be too showy. <laughs> Do you think she goes to her Starbucks in her mall and then... <laughs> uh, excuse me, what is the name, please? <laughs> uh, well, it's Barbara. Okay, is that B-A-R-B-A? <laughs> not actually, is it? <laughs> Uh, in 2006, she donated $11,750,000 to the Barbara Streisand Foundation, which <laughs> I'm sure that that money goes somewhere, but I like that idea. It goes that... towards the construction of vast underground <laughs> <Yeah>. palaces. <laughs> so the main thing that I know Barbara Streisand for is the Barbara Streisand effect. Yes. Okay. okay, so this is on the internet. You try and stop people from doing it, and it just makes them want to do it even more. And it started off when um, some guy took a photo of her house and she wasn't very happy and she tried to sue him to stop people from being able to see it on the internet. And 420,000 people uh, went to the website to look at this house because of the lawsuit. And before they'd done the lawsuit, it had only been downloaded six times. Wow. <laughs> so just by starting off the lawsuit, it meant that everyone then saw what she was trying to hide. Did you also recently do a lawsuit about no one's allowed to release a podcast referring to my ridiculously extravagant basement? Yeah. <laughs> and, doing, and doing a series of amusing but also startlingly accurate impressions of me. <laughs> Um, yeah. um, oh, actually, relatedly, I read this most fascinating article in the New Yorker recently, and it, on extravagant houses, the second biggest mansion in London after Buckingham Palace is in Highgate. Nobody knows who owns it. People have been trying to find out for years, oh. and it's this like so. It's called Wittenhurst. It also has a ridiculous basement. So it has a seventy-foot-long swimming pool in the basement, a cinema with the mezzanine, massage rooms, a sauna, gym, staff quarters. Oh, so and just just a normal house then. It's, just, it's a standard yeah. basement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's more than forty thousand square feet. Gosh. And the family's lawyer, the family of the that owns its lawyer, said that he would take the secret of Wittenhurst's ownership to the grave. The journalist in The New Yorker who went to talk to the estate agent about it, the estate agent made the journalist leave her phone and her bag in a different room while he just discussed the house with her. I mean, it's, a second, it's the only thing bigger than it in London is Buckingham Palace. That's Feels insane. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. The idea of um, digging downwards now to make house extensions is massive. And stuff that they're building is insane. People are putting in two-floor rock climbing walls and Ferrari museums and it's, <laughs> it's insane. That's what the guy, the guy who, he hasn't been able to build it just yet, but the Foxton's owner is trying to get a, uh, an extension below his garden where he wants to keep his Ferraris as a Ferrari museum. Not as a museum though. Will the museum yeah. be open to the public or will it be one of these Barbara Streisand <laughs> shopping mall things? Oh, what a lovely Ferrari, you enormously wealthy man. <laughs> 
Have you guys read about this guy who posted on Reddit earlier on this year, I think? He moved into a studio apartment somewhere somewhere in England and he found a trap door and he saw a trap door in the floor that hadn't been, the estate agents hadn't mentioned it, opened it. Turns out it's an old English monastery conversion underground. So he bought a studio apartment. He now has 30 rooms. Fantastic. It's quite exciting, isn't That's it? That's great. It's I'm like going to dig dream. up all the floors in my house just in case there's one there. I would do the same thing, but I live on the first floor. <laughs> There's a mirror kingdom underneath mine. <laughs> um, the White House has right. an amazing bunker, and they're currently building it. In fact, they're going to be moving Barack Obama and the Oval Office this year away to another location in the White House really? because they now need to add all the extensions. Because he has a trap door underneath the desk. I didn't know <laughs> no. that. Yes, no. there's a trap door. Mr. Burns. There's a trap door for the president underneath the desk. This is what it says. The, exact, uh, the existing trap door under the president's desk leading down to the Secret Service command post will be modified, so this is what's currently going on, uh, to allow presidential passage directly to the new underground command bunker. Now, what's interesting is, now this is from, this is from the White House's website. In 2010, they started building a new underground command center and it was just this building that was sitting there that in the bush administration the building officially didn't exist so despite being there they just said what what we don't know what you're talking about it did notoriously have a problem that administration with whether or not things existed or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's it that's all of our facts thank you so much for listening if you want to get in contact with any of us about the things we've said over the course of this podcast we are all on Twitter. You can get me on at Schreiberland, Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. James. At Egg Shaped. Anna. You can email podcast at qi.com. Yep, or you can go to at QI Podcast. We'll answer on that too. We'll be back again next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>